This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The path to a career in knowledge management isn't as clear as many other fields, where there are ample degree programs and certifications to choose from. So to learn about the latest developments in KM education and career paths, I invited Dr. Kendra Albright and Lauren Trees on the podcast. Lauren is APQC's Principal Research Lead for Knowledge Management, and Kendra is the Goodyear Endowed Professor in Knowledge Management at the School of Information at Kent State University. This podcast is part one of a two-part podcast with Lauren and Kendra, and I encourage you to stay tuned for the second episode on the skills, knowledge, and experiences future KM professionals need. Now, without further ado, here's the chat. All right, so I'm here with Dr. Kendra Albright of Kent State University and Lauren Trees of APQC for a chat about knowledge management careers and degree programs. So let's kick off with some introductions. Um, Lauren, could you tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I lead the KM Research Program here at APQC. So a lot of what we do is helping organizations build, benchmark, and improve their knowledge management programs. But we also do try to provide some resources to help KM professionals uh, develop themselves, especially when it comes to keeping up with trends and how the discipline's evolving. So I'm very interested in this topic and interested in what Kendra has to say. Awesome. And how about you, Kendra? So I am a professor, the Goodyear Endowed Professor of of Knowledge Management at Kent State University. I spent most of my academic career in the field of library and information science, of which knowledge management is a common uh, course path or a career path for graduates of those LIS, Library and Information Science programs. So I've been doing this for quite a while. I've been at Kent State for about uh, five years now. So, Kendra, could you start by telling us a little bit about the Master of Science in Knowledge Management program? Um, What's the coursework like and what are the students like and what careers are they pursuing? So I'm going to start from a big picture of the school for just a minute, and then I'll come down to KM. The School of Information at Kent State is um, has five master's degree programs. It has uh, two that are Master of Library and Information Science, one which specializes in school libraries. So there's those two MLIS degree programs. And then we have three Master of Science programs. So we have an MS in User Experience Design, an MS in Health Informatics, and an MS in Knowledge Management. And because the fields are are interrelated in the sense that they are all dealing with information and knowledge, the faculty will teach across those those programs. So we have lots of people, like I said, I spent most of my career in LIS, but now I'm teaching predominantly in the KM program. So the KM program at Kent State's been around since 2001, but it was in a previous iteration of information um, architecture and knowledge management. It was a master's in IAKM before three programs split out of that, which are the user experience design, health informatics, and knowledge management as their own master's degree programs. So we've been in the KM business for quite a while, and as you can imagine, we've got a fairly decent reputation as being one of the leaders in the field. 
Our program is currently 36 credit hours, which is about 12 courses. And we typically see our students take those over about four semesters. Um, and the courses will include foundational principles, knowledge assessment and evaluation, business process management, strategic intelligence, semantic analysis methods and technologies, and a lot of other ones that are gonna be related. I didn't wanna go through the whole litany with you, but there's those are some of the highlights. Um, by the way, our iSchool, School of Information, has over 7,000 graduates worldwide, and all of our programs are online, including our KM program. So we offer a blend of academic approaches with practical experience to prepare graduates for leadership across all types of organizations, and they, our goals for them include to develop and deliver organizations for organizations and communities that apply knowledge to create value, that they can design, build, operate, and lead a comprehensive program that's gonna turn strategies into action by integrating people, processes, and technology. Um, that our graduates can also become thought leaders in advancing KM ideas and practices, which I think, and I, I suspect you guys will agree with this, is a very important component of the field. KM is a very hard to, explain kind of field and there's not lots of KM uh, educational programs in it. And so it's very important that we educate it and prepare our graduates to be able to go out and help advance the field. So our students will be in, uh, prepared to engage and collaborate with the global KM community. So also I would add that, you know, what is it that sets Kent State apart from other KM programs? Well, one of the most important things I think today, for especially for, for students that are coming up through the, the early stages of education now, is that we're such a great value. We are so inexpensive by comparison to other programs, but we offer a state-of-the-art Master of Science program that's one-third the price of many of the other programs that I've looked at. We also have a world-class KM advisory board consisting of academics, practitioners, consultants, employers, and alumni who are some of the biggest names of the field. And if you've looked at our advisory board, you'll know what I'm talking about. So, and please feel free to do that. So they help us keep up to date with what is happening in the field. They help uh, guide us and, and make recommendations. We're going through a, a huge curriculum review with them this year. We're about to finish up. Um, and also, we include a lot of those KM experts plus others outside of the board who participate in our courses as guest lecturers. Some of them teach as adjuncts for us. Some of them just participate in seminars. And some are just nice enough to keep up conversations with our students who just heard them speak in a class and just want to get to know more about what they do. And so we've, we've had a lot of really good experiences with that. I would like to hear about what the, what the students are like and how they're coming into this program. Are they already experienced with a little bit of KM before they even come into your program? You know, it's, it is a funny thing. I was really surprised at how many of them are already working in KM. However, you know, out of my class this semester, I'd say probably a quarter of them had never had any experience at all. And so we, we, we make sure that we do the groundwork that we need to do with them and guide them through strong advising about how they can prepare for it if they've had this much experience or if they have never had any experience. So we wanna be able to get them through the right courses that will help get them adjusted to the level at which they're really prepared. 
We get also a lot of students who come from a, a bunch of different kinds of KM organizations. We get a lot of military. We get corporate, as you can imagine. We get government. We get not nonprofit. So we get, you know, all kinds of organizations that you can imagine. And also, I think, you know, one of the things that's most important to consider is what is it that makes a KM student most likely to succeed in the program? Because I think the traits that make them successful make them a little bit different than some of the other programs we might have. I think that those who have a natural leaning or, or talent for leadership and aren't afraid of taking risks and challenges. I think those kinds of, of personalities are attracted to this field in general. They have confidence, um, and they also have a certain kind of skill set that helps them with that confidence is just that basic belief in what they can do. They know that they are willing and able to try new things, not be afraid of making mistakes. We all make them, and they're, they're willing to accept that about themselves. But they also uh, come in looking for ways in which they can apply those other kinds of what I would call those soft skills, you know, things like persistence. Um, I heard someone refer to it as grit, you know, that would include things like being adaptable. You know, we talk about change management and knowledge man management a lot. So you really need students who can be ready and willing to uh, manage that kind of change. So they need creativity. They need to be collaborative. Collaborative. They need to be passionate about what they're doing. They also need to be persistent and persuasive. And I would say just in some, they really need that kind of, of curiosity that makes them want to go forward with this. Yeah, I was curious in terms of the coursework, if there's anything that's included in the knowledge management coursework that maybe people might be surprised by or something that they might not consider to be part of a traditional knowledge management education, whatever that is. Yeah, I think in our, our there's a lot of things I think that have been very exciting about what we've we've been doing in the this curriculum revision. <clears throat> One of the things that we found to be really important is to help students who have those soft skills and the ones who don't find their way in how to use those soft skills. And so we're creating a new course, which has not been approved yet, so it's not in the books yet, but we're, we're hoping to get this through the, the curriculum process. And that includes looking at what we call leadership and professional development. So this isn't just an introduction to the field, but it is some of that. This is where we want to concentrate on developing those skills, those soft skills that will really help them become those thought leaders. We want to be able to get people out there to tell the world about KM. I taught KM at, at the University of Sheffield when I was, oh, I don't know, a, lo a long time ago. <laughs> but the, the interesting thing about teaching KM in, in Europe is that it's much better understood, I think, than in the U.S. And a lot of people don't quite understand what it is in the U.S. And so it's important to get those students out there or those graduates out there to help people understand what it is so we can build a better body of practitioners and an association and people who can meet together. We have some of that, but the, we're still creating and building trying to figure out how we can tell people who we are and what our identity is in a way that's a little bit fuzzier in the U.S., I think, than it was in Europe. And so by helping them with those kinds of skill sets 
and what kinds of issues we face in the field and helping them understand the role of being a professional in this kind of career path will help prepare them to be able to do just that and help them be more successful. So I think that's kind of the most exciting thing besides the basic principles. We also revised um, a course that we had on business intelligence to become more strategic oriented. So we've changed the title of it and some of the, the uh, learning outcomes of to be strategic intelligence, not just about collecting business information. We want to really make it strategic and applied. I think that makes sense. I think it really resonates with what we see from KM professionals and what drives success in those roles tends to be less specific knowledge about KM tools and approaches and more a lot of the things you're talking about. Determination, credibility inside the organization, communication skills to be able to really evangelize KM, convince people that they need it, communicate clearly what it is and how it can help in particular situations. I think KM really struggles from an identity crisis because it is so many things, it is so multidisciplinary that people have a really hard time getting their head around it. I think that was one of the things that worked really well for us was that we blended our KM advisory board, not just the typical, you know, from an academic perspective. We really wanted that combination of theory and applied practice. So we have that. Plus, we brought in, it's an interdisciplinary team, as you said, uh, we have a person from the business college who has been remarkably helpful to have us make sure we have the right kinds of things. We have a course on intellectual capital management, for example, and we need to, to have a, a really firm understanding of what that entails, how it applies to knowledge management, because it doesn't necessarily, we don't need to teach everything about intellectual capital management. We need to teach it in the way that's really related to knowledge management. And so it's been so helpful to have this, this blended perspective of academia, practitioners, alumni who are out there working, who can give us feedback about the program they went through. And we have a student representative as well. And so we get all of their feedback and then um, it goes through the faculty that way. And so it's able to really represent not just an academic degree, but also a, a degree that's going to help them in the work that they do. The principles of practice is what we really aim for. I'd like to turn to KM Careers now. Lauren, how have you seen the evolution of KM hiring over the past decade? How did people get into KM roles and how has that changed? Obviously, it's different depending on the role. If you're trying to hire a community manager, it's very different from somebody who's going to run a content management focused program. So there's different flavors of this. But I, I tend to see a convergence towards KM from two poles, which I think dovetails with a lot of what Kendra has been talking about. On the one hand, I see people who are in IT, information management, library science, taxonomy, who start to recognize that people side where okay, we can put these systems in place, but they don't do a lot of good if nobody understands them or uses them. So they start 
sort of going towards the KM space from that more IT and, and information management focus. And then on the other side, we see people coming from an HR or an organizational learning background where they start in training or they start in succession management. And then they realize that there's a, a broader need to build knowledge sharing, knowledge access, and, and learning into the employee lifecycle outside of this little box that is HR or a learning program. And we're seeing a lot of convergence in general between organizational learning and KM as organizational learning becomes more bite-sized and there are fewer, um, fewer boundaries between those two spaces. But we also see people come into KM roles from the business. So they start out as engineers or scientists or consultants. And usually they're complaining about the fact that they can't find anything or knowledge is being lost and somebody says, that's a great idea. Why don't you go deal with that problem? And so they come up through the business. And sometimes that's really helpful because they have credibility with that audience. They can speak directly to that audience about the value proposition, the what's in it for me. They understand the challenges and the opportunities and they're able to approach it that way. And they can learn the KM pieces along the way. So I think Different people come at it from, from different bodies of knowledge. Obviously, we've seen some professional uh, you know, development in terms of people taking it more seriously as a profession, going and getting certifications, going and getting degrees. Um, but, but I think it, it, people can be self-taught or they can get that professional education. The most important part is having a passion for it and being, being able to talk about it and being able to lead through it. And I would argue that many years ago, when I was a practitioner before I got my PhD, after I had my MLIS equivalent, <clears throat> I worked for a private company out of Oak Ridge, Tennessee with scientists and engineers. And we did a lot of work that was actually very knowledge management related before we really called it knowledge management. <laughs> so I, I always feel like I have an, an understanding of it and um, worked with a lot of scientists and engineers. So I have a great appreciation from that, you know, for that perspective. I think we need that. We, I, I you know, coming from a, a very multidisciplinary background myself, I think it's a really important thing and an important time in our, our world to have interdisciplinary approaches to things. I do think that when you do that, it presents new challenges for, okay, you can't have 15 degrees to understand all of this. So how do you manage it? And a lot of it is the same things that make good knowledge managers, knowledge sharing, collaboration, um, being able to be flexible, working in teams, trying to help solve problems, not throw up barriers. I think these are some of the most important and exciting opportunities that exist in KM. I know when I talk with the KM students, they're so just, they are just truly passionate about what they're doing. And that's so motivating for the other people around them and the people they're working with. So that kind of, of attitude is really important. And it was interesting, Lauren, that you mentioned HR because our, our person from the business school, uh, Dr. Mark Whitmore, is a uh, HR expert. And he's in the business school, which is where HR is in, in the university at Kent State. And um, yeah, so it's really interesting that his background in HR, he goes, you know, there's some really interesting parallels <laughs> between mm -hmm. these 
things because he doesn't he has not done km but he's been you know extremely helpful in moving our uh, coursework forward so because he, he understands that hr perspective so yeah that was a good observation <laughs> yeah we do human capital research here at APQC as well as knowledge management. So I have a compatriot on the HR side and, and we partner on a lot of different research on everything from virtual collaboration to mentoring. And it's really interesting because it's a lot of the same approaches, but from a different perspective, sometimes looking at slightly different outcomes, but it, it's really helpful if you look at it holistically. And mm -hmm. I think we see that even in the KM programs that we study that those that have a strong partnership with IT and a strong partnership with HR and learning, those are critical to success because you can't do it alone. Right. Oh, well said. <laughs> I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more and have a great rest of your day. <laughs>